listening to The Private Citizen. This is episode 87 for Tuesday, the 14th of September, 2021. Afghanistan? Hello everybody, welcome to The Private Citizen. My name is Fab, coming to you from the city of Düsseldorf in Germany. And uh, before I go any further, um, even though she won't hear this, because <laughs> it doesn't speak English. I would like to wish my grandmother a, a very happy birthday. My grandmother is turning 100 years old today and um, I would like to say uh, thank you for everything you've done for me. Um, you're one of the best people in the world. Literally, um, you're amazing. Thanks for being there and uh, I hope you'll, you'll be there for a long time to come. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, grandma's turning 100 today. This is amazing. Um, born in 1921. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm going to do a show today. Uh, this is this is kind of offline. I'm not doing this on Twitch um, because I'm in the middle of a lot of things um, and uh, I can't really. I can't. Can't. But um, yeah, so this is an, another extra episode bef- before I leave on my hiatus. Um, and today we're going to talk about uh, what uh, has been called the Afghani scam, um, which is basically uh, a conspiracy theory. But uh, wait, before you run away and turn this off, hear me out. Um, it is a conspiracy theory, um, and but I think it's a good one. I think it could be- very well be true. Um, I mean, I've talked about, I've talked on the show often about the fact that I think that. Um, Conspiracy theories are not a, you know, it's been used as kind of an insult towards people or their theories uh, in in recent times, especially um, by my journalistic colleagues in the media. And um, I think it's a really bad uh, judgment, like using it as a judgment is, it's bad judgment to doing that. But, you know, it's also bad to, to, to use it as a judgment because um, a conspiracy theory is just a theory about there being a conspiracy and sometimes there are conspiracies uh you know one can think of watergate uh you know if you're a journalist it, that should be that you should have read a lot about that um you know watergate uh, one only has to think back to snowden and the nsa you know everything snowden said was basically a conspiracy theory before that uh, by nerds like us and um so you know sometimes there are conspiracies in the world often conspiracy theories are uh, you know, uh, over-exaggerated or they're just simply wrong. You know, I, I would say that, of course, most conspiracy theories are um, probably wrong. But, uh, you know, that is, uh, that that doesn't really, like, there's no change to that from, like, real other theories, right? Most, most other theories are also wrong, I feel. So, um, yeah. So I think this one, this one uh, might very well be true. Um, so I'm going to talk about it. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, I think. It's a shorter topic. Um, I had thought about like putting a second topic in. Sometimes I do that in shows, you know, to just give you more content. But then the last episode was very long. And also I kind of want to stand, because it is a conspiracy theory, I kind of want it to stand on its own. Um, and you will, you know, you'll, I think you'll understand um, once you listen to this. So uh, before we get into the main meat of the show... Just as I mentioned before, quick reminder that this show is going on a hiatus um, after this episode. Um, I've got a lot to do. 
work-wise and otherwise i just can't do any shows in the next uh, time um, i will be back in october that's the plan uh probably sooner than later meanwhile um i i, I buffered you know i uh I, I buffered some content for you. I uh, I don't know. What do, what do you, there's a there's an expression on the tip of my tongue that I don't don't remember. It's, I, I didn't I didn't blow my wad. No, it's uh, like kind of the the opposite. Um, I stacked the barrel. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, you've got you've got some content, and uh, with that, let's you know let's let's get into the actual content here. So, what we're going to talk about today is a theory that I've read uh, on the Substack of John C. Dvorak, and I think the guys also talked about this on No Agenda, although I've been so busy recently that I haven't listened to any podcasts. Um, I've just been producing podcasts. I just can't. There's no way uh, currently. So, I think that this was also like uh, an episode title recently. So, I think that they talked about this, and I think uh, John derived this. Uh, Substack from from possibly that episode. Um, if you don't know John C. Dvorak, uh, he is an amazing tech journalist, uh, one of the best, I think. Or oh, he was uh, before he turned towards political commentary, which is what he does mostly these days, and uh, mostly on the No Agenda podcast, which I can recommend. Uh, please head over there and give the guys a try, give them a listen, uh, subscribe to their RSS feeds, uh, because or feed it's one feed really <laughs> like and subscribe uh, hey youtube how are you doing um yeah it's the show is not for everyone there are definitely people who like it's it's very out there at times sometimes controversial and you know it's even gotten me to stop listening once or twice uh, <laughs> which if you know my tolerance for all kinds of things is quite amazing actually but um you know they have good they have they have good content and um you know they're, they're running a very tight ship i must say and you know um not in the least came up with the uh value for value model which i'm using for this show but like you know without further ado, that, that's john c devorak you might know him back in the day he was on twitter a lot he, he used to have a podcast called cranky geeks uh he's a guy right down my alley and i've actually one of my role models i've been looking up when i became a tech journalist i, I looked up to his um type of reporting and his you know it's a little bit cynical but like down to earth um style right where he basically doesn't take any shit he doesn't believe pr um and he evaluates new technologies you know some people may might know john from you know there's this famous thing people say about him that he said the mouse you know the computer mouse wouldn't take off but like that comes from a place that you know sometimes you're wrong too but you know that that comes from a really good place and the place is you know tech journalism i feel is often populated by people who think that just because something changes uh, its advancement you know and and basically um almost worship progress for progress sakes which creates a lot of problems you know, not only in technology reporting, but also, you know, these days in like politics and things like, um, you know, climate and, and energy stuff, because the people apply the same kind of, you know, something is new, like there's like these stupid electric scooters that I see basically, you know, these little things. I first saw them and when I was over in uh, San, San Jose um, and 
they're just like you know they were everywhere there and they're everywhere in Germany now since like a year or two and they're just like the most useless things like sometimes a weird guy on a like on looking weird on a suit writes them but 95% of times it's just like 14 year old boys who basically joyride them because you can just install the app and they probably have a credit card or they have a credit card you know to play Roblox or whatever um, on their phone so they just ride these things around for fun and just do brake maneuvers and shit. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't blame the kids. If I if I was that age and I had those things, I would have done that the same. But like, they're not solving, they're not solving any crises, climate or otherwise. But you know, so so there's this thing in in, in tech journalism where people are like, um, just because something is new, they think it's good or they think it's going to take off. And and John was always a or you know is always a um a bastion of common sense in this regard which i've always looked up to um but anyway so he uh, has this theory that he calls the afghani scam and um yeah it's a conspiracy theory but like if you i'm going to read some of his stuff and just just you know have a little bit of an open mind and you know think about what we know about the u.s intelligence services you know especially cia how they operate and i'm not talking conspiracy theories i'm talking you know ex-cia people writing books there are many books written about the cia uh, and just think a little bit um uh, back to Edward Bernays, uh, you know, this is this is something that's right out of his playbook. I mean, Bernays worked with the CIA to topple a, a regime uh, in South America, right? Uh, <laughs> by using, you know, bananas, basically. Um, so, yeah, it's um, sometimes I think sometimes conspiracies are real and, and this could be um, a real one. And I think it's a shame um, so I think this is in the realm of conspiracy theories because only people like me and John uh, and some other people on podcasts talk about this stuff, right? This is not, this is, this, these are questions that are legitimate questions that, you know, the people from the New York Times, from the Washington Post, um, I don't, from, from, you know, whatever newspaper, the LA Times, I don't know, should ask, you know, the guys who have access to the White House who have, you know, are in the press conference, conferences who can ask these questions, do not ask these questions. Um, if they were asking these questions, this would all be like legitimate research. But um, as it is, it's uh, merely um, a conspiracy theory. So um, what does uh, John say? John, John starts off by saying, um, if Donald Trump had evacuated Afghanistan and left upwards of 90 billion dollars in armaments and weaponry in the hands of the Taliban how would it have how long would it have taken Nancy Pelosi to begin a third round of impeachment hearings you know there's I think there's he's obviously politicizing this but you know I don't think it's that's a that's a, I think that's a question one can ask I mean just imagine if Trump would have botched this you know allegedly botched um pull out like that um the weapons left to the taliban in a hasty retreat uh, um so the, the weapons left to the taliban in a hasty retreat is greater than the annual military budget for all but two 
USA and China of the top 15 nations' annual military expenditures. The total loss of gear amounts to over 10% of our annual military budget. I've edited this a little bit, by the way. Um, so, and he has a he has a list. Um, I think this from Wikipedia about uh, military expenditures uh, per year. Uh, the U.S. is obviously at the top with 778 billion dollars. Uh, China, I mean, far ahead of China, which uh, is 252 billion, and those are the only two. Uh, that are in the like three-figure billion range, and the next one would be India with 72, and then the Russian Federation with 61. So um, the and and this is really not like disputed, right? The amount of stuff that was left behind. Uh, I have a list in the show notes. If you go to Private Citizen Press, it's usually I've collected everything I can um, to you know, to, to, to give you further resources. There's a list from the Gateway Pundit. Nothing nothing here is really distributed. So the, the 90 billion are pretty uh, universally, uh, um, you know, reported number. Um, so that is uh, a third more than the annual military budget of the Russian Federation, right? Germany is in, in seventh, you know, where I'm from, uh, 52 billion. So it's... Uh, you know, it's almost twice Germany's military budget. Just let that sink in. Uh, John continues, in March of 2020, Pompeo met with the Taliban and the, and the US initiated the plan to pull troops out. And, you know, I've, I've talked in, oh, what episode was this? God, gotta look this up now. Go to private sits in the press. Uh, what do we have? Uh, we have lots of tags. So you can just click on the tags in an episode and then you find the other episodes on that topic um episode 82 when i talked about you know as i called it the african disaster um um you know that i've, I've talked about what what happened they had to pull out and whatever um in march of 2020 pompeo met with the taliban and the u.s initiated the plan to pull troops out which I think I support, by the way, as I said in that episode. Uh, during that time, the U.S. could have moved out surplus arms and ammunition. This includes 22,174 Humvees, 42,000 Ford and Toyota pickups, 8,000 troop carrier trucks, 358,530 assault, assault rifles, probably not all assault rifles, probably including, you know, uh, uh, designated marksman rifles and stuff like that. Um, not to mention 45 Black Hawk helicopters, 50 MD-530 choppers, and 32 MI-17 helicopters. These could have been flown to our ally Pakistan for redeployment. Actually, they actually uh, I, I read today uh, in researching this that, that the U.S. Bought, actually bought Pakistan a few MI-17 uh, helicopters. Um, you know, could have just given them more. Uh, the same for 28 Cessna 208s and 22 Embraer MB314s. This is not to mention four large C-130 transport planes. Each of those could have flown 90 Americans to safety as far as Kuwait without refueling. Well, more, as we've seen. Like, Wasn't that a C-130 with like the 300 people on board? Um, just, just, Im just... This list reads like the shopping list of a military, right? At least, like, if you have that, you basically have a military. 22,000 Humvees, 358,000 assault rifles? 
Jesus Christ. You can like that's 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 more than uh, you know that's that's basically you could arm half of the population of Düsseldorf with assault assault rifles. <laughs> Where's mine? Where's my M4? <laughs> um, this oops, we lost ninety billion dollars in gear to the Taliban. End quote. Cannot be an accident. Smart analysis must conclude that it was left to the Taliban for a reason. It must have been Mike Pompeo who came up with this deal, since it was he who negotiated with the Taliban. So what was the deal? Nobody knows, but it has to have something to do with China. I mean, this is, now we're getting in the really speculation range where, I don't know, I think it's it's credible speculation. I don't know if that's really true, but, you know, um, obviously, uh, John and... Um, Adam have a thing about China. They have good points, but you know, uh, nobody knows. But it has, it has to have something to do with China and the fact that the CCP, that's the Chinese Communist Party, hates Muslims and the Taliban are the most extreme sort of Muslim. And that, I mean, that's not coming out of nowhere. Uh, we know that there are concentration camps in China uh, where you know they incarcerate the Muslim uh, minority. Um, the Chinese are already trying to make friends with the Taliban, but the relationship is now skewed by the fact that the Taliban is armed to the teeth. With China intending to use Afghanistan as a major way station for its Belt and Road Initiative, it now may have to think twice about how to do that. In fact, the $90 billion in military gear may, may have been a smart investment on behalf of uh, American industry. It may throw a wrench into the works. And you know, as a, I have another podcast, uh, which is more of a fun, um, fun show uh, called uh, Escape the Talk Show, Escape the Talk dot show, uh, where a friend and I, uh, my friend Jonathan, we play uh, a military shooter, and we just shoot the shit. We shoot the shit, and then we we shoot digital people. Hey, that's a good. That's a good slogan. Maybe we could have that as a slogan for the show. Not bad. Anyway, I was talking that I was going to, we were talking about, uh, we were recording an episode on September 11th, uh, obviously talking about the terrorist attacks and uh, a little bit about Afghanistan too, you know, with the with the retreat and everything. And uh, Jonathan pointed out, and this is a good point, that, I mean, uh, John says that this is a good, good investment. I think it's doubly good investment because, as Jonathan pointed out, they'll have to rebuy this gear, right? They're not like, this is like, this is just like chalking it off and then we're buying new gear. You know, we need new M4s now, uh, new rifles, new choppers and new Humvees or whatever the, the, the next, I don't know. You used to know this, you know, like the, the the predecessor of the of the Humvees, uh, or no, not the predecessor, the um, replacement. Um, so you know, maybe this was an investment, and you know, always good to have to rebuy everything. You know, the military industrial complex. Um, you know, throwing they're throwing a wrench in the works. At the same time, they're kind of supporting American industry. So I think this makes sense. And interestingly, you know, people always say when somebody exposes a, a conspiracy theory, then, you know, the media is, is uh, my friends, my colleagues. Um, at big publications are always uh, eager to point out that, you know, think this through think logically what makes more sense, right? That this was just an accident or whatever, you know, the World Trade Center, that this 
you know, the conspiracy theory that this actually was a terrorist attack or that this was like an elaborate inside job, whatever, right? Which is, that that isn't bad thinking. I don't, yeah, I, generally that applies, but you have to apply that equally, right? And when you apply this to this theory, so you're telling me either, so John's theory is um, that, you know, somebody planned this and said, okay, we're going to leave him some gear, um, throw a spanner in the works, you know, cause a little bit of trouble in the region, which will help us, you know, as I uh, talked about in my previous Afghanistan episode, as I see it, you know, just fire up the U.S. war machine again because some, you know, these soldiers and all this equipment will have will need something to do next. You know, they're not going to sit in a base. Um, at some point, you will have to justify all this expenditure, so you need another war. And you know, if you can, if you can put one up on China, why not? Like either that, or what you're telling me, because you think this is bullshit and this is a conspiracy theory. So you telling me. The best funded, and we're talking by huge margin, as we just saw, the best funded, the best trained, the best organized, and the most experienced military in the world, right? A military that has experience since 1940 to go into other countries, uh, drop in there, uh, have a little bit of a war, and then pull back out. Um, you know, not so much World War II, but, you know, uh, Korea... Uh, Vietnam, uh, you know all the all the other conflicts. Um, they have they have experience in this, like significant experience. You tell me they botched the retreat this badly. First of all, it wasn't the first retreat. I mean, in the first episode, uh, first Afghanistan episode, um, I already compared this to Vietnam, right? So so we already have like a precedent, right? Okay, that was episode eighty seven again. Uh, this is eighty seven. Sorry, eighty two. Um, you know, might be worth listening to that if you're if you're not up on whatever happened there in Afghanistan and stuff like that. But um, and like the geopolitical implications. But um, right, so you're you're telling me they fucked this up this badly and not like this wasn't like Vietnam, right? This wasn't such a hasty pull. They've been planning this for over a year. They knew that the Taliban were coming. You know, I talked about Greenwald and how Snowden had already had significant evidence which Greenwald wasn't reporting because they were like it, it's gonna end, like they didn't name the country they didn't say it was Afghanistan because they were afraid that that would harm servicemen right and then WikiLeaks went and leaked it and so then everybody knew it was Afghanistan but like they knew, they knew everything they had every fucking phone bugged they were listening to every phone call and they didn't stop with that after Snowden Right, they were, they were, they had every phone back. There, they were uh, every single internet packet going in and out of the country, probably moving in the country. They knew everything, you know. And by they, I mean the what the media likes to call the intelligence community in the U.S. You know, the 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 spy agencies, the intelligence agencies. They knew all of this shit. They were planning this. They were planning this for over a year. The military planned this. You're telling me the Joint Chief of Staff of the U.S. Armed Forces. In a year, can't play, can't plan uh, like a retreat without leaving ninety billion dollars in gear behind, Humvees and like fucking hundreds of thousands of assault rifles, millions of rounds of ammunition. Like this is no. I mean, if you if 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 you, if that's the official story, 
And then there's this conspiracy theory. I, I think the conspiracy theory is more plausible, to be honest. Um, and, like, it's not such a huge conspiracy, right? It's, um, I mean, it either, either Trump didn't plan this, and or like Pompeo did it without Trump's knowledge, or there was just like a, um, which is unlikely, I think. So, I think the more likely explanation is that there was a uh, uh, continuity that that bridged, you know, the two presidencies, Trump and Biden, and that Biden was just going ahead with the plan. Uh, maybe he had no choice, <laughs> you know. Maybe, maybe at that time when Biden came in and started doing things, maybe he they they couldn't. Uh, like it was already predetermined. They had already like basically botched it up on purpose to such a degree that you couldn't pull that stuff out. Um, which you know wouldn't surprise me because Biden is taking a huge publicity hit, not as big as he should, but like with this, this this wasn't good. Like landing on his doorstep, like the first major foreign policy decision, and it's like this. Um, so I don't know, but I, I think that continuity between the presidents is definitely there. That is the industri- you know, military-industrial uh, complex. Um, the, I think the continuity is the State Department. Um, I don't think um, between the Obama, uh, Trump, and Biden presidencies actually that much changed. Like people changed, but like generally in the State Department, in there. Um, attitude to things like this. I think this is this is all the old guard. Um, I find that more believable than than that the military fucked this up. Um, somebody must have thrown a spanner in the works there. Um, John continues, and let's not forget that there are still mercenaries throughout Afghanistan, which is you know true. You know, private military contractors are everywhere in uh, war zones these days especially in Afghanistan, uh, many of whom can operate the aircraft and teach others how to operate them, as well as organize maintenance. For all we know, the CIA may still be there in force to manage opium distribution. Nobody likes to talk about that. And what he's alluding to here is definitely not a conspiracy theory. I'll put a link in the uh, in the show notes to The Guardian of all places, who in, like, I think it's 2018, uh, had a pretty good story on, like, the history of the CIA and the opium trade in, in Afghanistan. We're going back to, like, you know, um, resistance against the Soviets here and all this. And I think it's... I guess you could say that is, that's also a conspiracy theory, but I think it's it's been very well documented that you know the cia uh, does stuff like uh, deal drugs and weapons uh, underhandedly to have money that uh, is separate from the budget they get from congress right so that they have black books that if they want to do certain operations um, that they don't want to have to have to justify uh, you know maybe even to the president, then they just, you know, can can do this kind of stuff. I don't think that is, uh, everything we know about the CIA, I don't think that is, uh, you know, beyond belief. Um, okay, John John further says, uh, if, these suppos- suppos- if these suppositions are true, none of this was a botch at all. And as he kind of wraps it up here now. Uh, rather, it was a planned action creating plausible deniability for the U.S. government when in trade talks with China. 
hey, we were beaten by the Taliban, they took our stuff. Definitely explains the screwball closure of the massive Bagram airfield, with the US leaving behind a treasure trove of armaments, aircraft, and ammunition. Nobody has ex- has explained the abruptness of this closure, which is true. And no, like the press really hasn't asked. Um, you know, I I haven't seen any journalist like haranguing the president over this or like the military. Um, we left them over twenty million rounds of seven point six five millimeter bullets. Of nine, as well as 9 million rounds of 50 caliber ammo. I wonder how much 5.56 they left. <laughs> um, 20 million rounds of 2, 2.6, 7.62. I mean, if you just look at the assault rifles and the ammunition, right? People are like. Imagine where that is turning up. Even if the Taliban get fucking wrecked, like in five years, right? If the NATO, NATO coalition comes in or, or the UN or whatever and just whacks them forever, like shoots every single Taliban, um, these weapons are not going to go away, right? Um, for like decades, you have seen, like, you know, the I mean, the, the US and the Soviets in the Cold War both supplied like fringe nations. And you've seen... Uh, like Soviet weapons turning up in the hands of terrorists, like decades later, right? The the Rote Armee Fraktion, the RAF in, in in Germany had Soviet. I mean, their logo was an AK-47. Um, you know, if you look at like the, there's been stuff written about like the rep- weapons terrorists used at Bataclan, right? Um, they traced like whether I think that in, in the, the story I read was uh, about an AK-74, uh, but you know. These weapons, they don't get destroyed. They don't, they don't just disappear. They turn back up. Like, we're talking 300,000 assault rifles. Like, in the U.S., uh, there's a huge um, outcry over, like, so-called assault rifles, which, you know, assault rifles in the U.S. are uh, illegal as well uh, for almost anybody to own. Um, so what they are talking about are rifles. Um, so we're talking about, for example... Uh, um, you know, AR-15s, uh, you know, civilian versions of, of the M4 uh, military rifle. So, you know, semi-auto that, you know, basically uh, those rifles, yeah, assault rifles converted to semi-auto, which doesn't make, they're not an assault rifle anymore, right? To, to be an assault rifle, you need to be automatic fire. Um, so, and then they're just a rifle, right? And then there's a huge, well, there's a bit of a difference uh, with with most what most people perceive as a hunting rifle, which you know usually has a small magazine. I mean, you, you can have hand, hunting rifle with thirty round magazines, nothing to stop you. Like even like old looking ones are made out of wood, but people don't consider them like dangerous. And then you know have an AR fifteen, which is basically also just a rifle, and but but that looks kind of military, you know, and so it's it's perceived as more dangerous. Um, we, we might, might be shooting the exact same caliber at like the same velocity uh, on semi-auto. Like the difference would be like the magazine, right? And then those usually have bigger magazines and there's a huge out, outcry about like banning magazines at a certain size, right? Banning 30-round magazines. You only can, can have 10-round magazines and shit like that. And like that is so you don't have shootings or whatever. But like imagine what will happen with these assault rifles where they all will turn up maybe not on the streets of like chicago right maybe there's not going to be gang warfare with these m4s but who knows 
no, or whatever. They, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, I'm, I'm guessing M4s. This is still the that's still the main service rifle of the U.S. military, right? I'm just I'm talking out of my ass here. It's mostly escape from Tarkov knowledge. Um, the M4 is extensively used by United States Armed Forces and is largely replacing the M16 rifle in United States Army and United States Marine Corps. Yeah. May, may, I mean, maybe they left them M16s because they're talking um, 7.62, right? The um, the M4 is a, is a um, intermediate cutter, it's 556. Um, the M16, right? So the other one would be, be the M16A2. That's, that's seven. No, it's also 556. What kind of. Wait. 765. Rifle, US military. What, what what rifles are we talking about? Oh, there is oh the M fourteen. All right, but but that's that's like old, right? No, that can't be the can't be the M fourteen. Okay, that's a of course there's a DMR. Uh, DMR is often M seven six two. What kind of DMR? I'm doing some life research here. <laughs> what kind of DMR does the United States military use? Uh, the Mark 14 Enhanced Battle Rifle. M39 Enhanced Marksman Rifle. Um, hmm. Interesting. I mean, the AR-10 was, was 7.62, but that's not really used anymore. Okay, and that's the SR-25, which is basically an AR-10 derivative. Hmm. It's the HK-417. Is that Chamberton 762? Come on. God, there's a lot of information about this rifle. Um, caliber, dudes. Is that? No, it's also two. Oh, yeah, the... Oh, it's a larger caliber version of the 416. So it is chambered uh, in 762. I don't know. 762 is more mostly used as not in assault rifles um, these days, but who knows? Um, but anyway, you know, all these rifles are going to turn up n not not necessarily like on the streets of Chicago, right? But like the people will be murdered with them, and it's not like to me really different if somebody get shot in the street in, in, in the US or like in Syria or in Lebanon or in Israel who knows like these things are gonna turn up right you, I mean there's no reporting on this there's no reporting on this there's no questions being asked like what happened there how can how come we're paying how much was it again like if I was an American taxpayer right if I was an American taxpayer I'm saying how come we pay $778 billion every single year to these jackasses, and that's what they do? They should all be fired. Like, every single general should be, like, if, if something like this had happened under Stalin, you would have had them all shot. Uh, what the fuck? Like, if I was an American expert, I would be going, like, what the hell? What, what, are, you, what are you boys doing? I don't know. It's, it's not a good. It's not a good accent, is it? Jesus, Mary, have you seen all the rifles the boys left behind in Afghanistan? <laughs> I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry to all my American listeners. I'm not good with accents. Um, yeah, so I don't like this is this is a scandal of like epic proportions. Like <laughs> there should be like a investigative team from the New York Times and the Wapo, and they should be all over this. There should be books be written right, and probably will be written, and you know, but like. That's not really the out. Like people are not talking about this, and I mean that's yeah, coming back to my pet peeve, uh, shitty journalism. That's like one of the problems. And you know, Dvorak ends this. I'm gonna read the read the end of his uh, piece as, as well. He he ends this with the same kind of conclusion, which I largely share. Um, <clears throat> he says, unfortunately, this whole abandonment scheme isn't. Uh, if this whole abandonment scheme if it isn't in air quotes op. We'll never learn much from the compromise, um, much from the compromised and useless mainstream media. Sorry, I can't. Sorry, John, I can't read today. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, I've probably I've been working since eight in the morning, and it's now ten in the afternoon. I'm just fucked. Um, right. Uh, we'll never learn much from the compromised and useless mainstream media. Instead, we are fed the quote facts. That Americans are, quote, stranded and tortured, used as hostages, etc. Which, you know, might be, it's probably true, but it's like, you know, distractioning, I feel, from this. Um, the stories about the continued effort of the private sector to get people out of Afghanistan will be repressed. It will take years to know the truth of what happened, if ever, uh, I think. Uh, you will hear good snippets, though, on podcasts and other, moder- other modern resources for news reporting. But those are considered, quote, fringe and unreliable, so they will not be not threaten any scripted narrative fed to the general public via the VAPO, New York Times, CNN, NBC, CBS, Fox, and ABC. And I think it's completely right on this. I mean, this is basic Bernays. That this is what happening. This is propaganda. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, something happened. Doesn't matter. It, the press is not doing its job, and which is clear. The press is not doing its job, and we're being fed propaganda because. Either this was the biggest scandal in the history of the U.S. military with $90 billion at stake, assault rifles everywhere, tanks, helicopters, fucking bombs, rockets, uh, tactical helmets. I mean, look at the photos of the Taliban guys. They look like fucking operators from Escape from Tarkov. Exactly. They got the same gear. They got like fast anti helmets. Uh, you know, you got tech tech plate ca- uh, plate carriers, man. It's, sorry, I I got one too. Uh, it's not from Afghanistan. I bought that um, legitimately, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 unbelievable. It like so either that, either it's the biggest scandal ever, like at least for the taxpayer, or it's a fucking op, and then it's even worse. So where's the reporting? Where's the wall-to-wall reporting? Where the Pulitzer-winning uh, uh, reportages that are being written? Like, what the fuck? And you hear this shit on podcasts? Like, really? Like, our 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 greatest chance to to learn the truth and get it to a lot of people is probably if John Ro- Joe John John Ro- sorry <laughs> Joe Rogan uh, gets uh, uh, some guy on. Uh, you know, some military guy who was there and saw it. It was like this. This is all. This is all fucked. And then Joe, uh, what is wrong with me? Okay, I'm gonna have some wine. The lovely uh, Merlot Rosé from the Palatinate. I think John would uh, appreciate that. 
yeah, what the fuck? I mean, and then Joe Joe Rogan is like, oh yeah, this is really interesting. We, we need to tell everybody, and everybody is like, oh Joe Rogan, the conspiracy theorist and anti anti vaxer and crazy guy. Yeah, this is this is definitely not real. Like this is all lies. I don't. I don't. Like I can see it now. Like the next time I'm hanging out with some journalists, and like I would, if I bring this topic up, and I go like, "So you you telling me, you're telling me the U.S. military, the best funded, best trained, best equipped military with the most experience in the world, like they got fucking, they got general staff that." plans the meals for the other general staff right they're like fucking they're so fucking organized even they're like MREs are fucking whole dishes and shit like they've got every they've got it all sorted out and they couldn't make this less of a shit show with a year of planning like, with being in the country for 20 years, knowing everything about the country, knowing every single phone call, doing everything. They probably know every fucking Taliban by name. They just couldn't shoot them because they would just scamper to their caves. But, like, like, well, if you had, if you had given, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure some American general, if I got him on the show and he would talk frankly to me, would say, if they'd given us enough manpower and enough money and in, like, all of this ammunition, <laughs> all of the 765, we'd gotten them out of every last cage. It would have cost us a lot of people, but we would have done it. Um, and then, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that to like a colleague or whatever, you know, maybe even a friend, and then they're gonna look at me like I'm, I'm some madman. They're like, oh, what kind of... You've been listening, you've been listening to Attila Hildemann or like uh, some weird like conspiracy people? What, what, what telegram groups are you in? <sighs> I mean, am I like, please, private citizen or press, give me... I always ask for feedback and I've got some good feedback later in a, in a little bit. Um, some really good feedback this time. Um, I usually get good feedback, but this is really good. Um... But you know, I I want to know: Is am I an idiot? I, you know, I'm I'm just sitting here thinking this is common sense. And even I, like, I fucking had to have Dvorak, which of course, yeah. I mean, no, I'm, I'm saying that, but like, he's he's one of my heroes, so uh, it's clear that like he's better at this shit than I am. But like, I should have thought about that when I did my fucking first episode on the topic. I'm sitting here beating my head against my chair because I'm thinking. You're dumb. You, you should have thought about this. I would say, yeah, they botched it up. Biden is an idiot. Yeah. So I was actually buying the fucking propaganda. I was buying into the thing because I was like, don't like Biden because of the whole election bullshit. But like, you know, they're doing the same thing to Biden now or with Biden that they did with Trump. They're putting all these shitty stories out. I'm saying, damn, I don't know who it is. It's like groupthink. It's not a conspiracy of like one guy controlling the media. It's like fucking groupthink. I don't know. Like it's so much groupthink that I fall prey to the groupthink. This should have occurred to me immediately. Like how can the US, like what? What? They can coordinate fucking five aircraft carriers and they got a whole carrier groups and then the fucking things fly. Like, 
when I was in San Diego, did I already say San Jose? <laughs> I meant San Diego. When I, was, when I was in San Diego and visited the Midway, right, which is a World War II era aircraft carrier, like a diesel aircraft carrier, not a nuclear one. Um, that's a museum. And you get shown around by like Navy wet, vets, right? And they, you know, usually there's lots of tourists. I, I had this one guy and he told me like a shit ton of things because he, I think he saw, he saw that I was like really interested. And also I was like the third age of all the other people that usually go there, I think. Um, so he was like really interested and, you know, I don't know, when I came in, he was lying like my mermaid tattoo. I think he thought I was like in the German Navy or something. <laughs> anyway, um, so he told me like so much about this like fucking aircraft carrier and like, I mean, I knew a lot of that, but like the fucking logistics that go into supplying an aircraft carrier when it's at sea, right? And we're not talking a nuclear, like nuclear uh, aircraft carriers also need like food and fuck. This thing needs fucking diesel every other day. Like they're refueling this like in the storm with like other boats coming in and then all the food and the fucking things. And then every time they leave the harbor, they're degaussing the fucking thing. They have a huge button like on the in the engineering thing, they have a button where they basically go, oh wait, uh, where's my, where's my fucking announcing thing? Why is, why is that always gone? Everybody step back, hands off all surfaces. The ship will be degaussed in 10 seconds. I repeat, degaussing in 10 seconds. And then everybody just doesn't touch anything that's made out of metal and moves away from the, like, bulkheads and whatever. And then they push this huge button, goes... And then they goes the whole fucking ship. Because the Russians had this thing with the satellites where they could basically tell aircraft carriers apart. Like, you know, this is before they could take pictures that were, like, this high resolution. And, I mean, they weren't filmed, so you couldn't get them in real time. Now, they could, like, basically measure the, the magnetic field of the ship because it's a huge piece of metal and tell which aircraft carrier it was. So they would like go out the harbor and at night or whatever, when you couldn't see the ship or whatever, they would try fucking degauss the fucking ship. Like they operate these things. They operate huge bases, like in Germany and fucking like Thule Air Base and what the fuck. Like the American military is an amazing machine. Like, the fucking German military is like uh, amateur hour by comparison. Like, we can't even keep three tanks going, right? These guys are like, when they drop a ham Humvee of a helicopter by accident, and well, they drop it and the, the parachute doesn't deploy, they're just laughing. Laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> There's another Humvee gone. Let's get a new one, boys! <sighs> Sorry. Sorry for the... Well... If you listen to this, probably like the rants. This is is amazing to me how that is like the, that's like the accepted theory. All right. Um, you know, I'm I'm just gonna I just presented this to the, to you. I think it makes sense. Uh, you know, tell me what you think or just take it and leave it. Um, there is, as I said, a link in the show notes to John's story, uh, to some other things and this list of the you know of the material. We can actually let's quickly look at that. Maybe maybe there's some. On the Gateway Pundit, maybe there's some more stuff on here. Uh, what what else? Oh, it's 61,000 M203 rounds. What's what's that again? 
It's an M203 round. Is that explosive? Oh, it's a grenade launcher. Oh, yes. Oh, nice. Grenades. 61,000 grenades. Well, those. And then they say 20,000 and 40 grenades. Howitzers, mortars, thousands of rounds. 162 pieces of encrypted military communications gear. 16,000 night vision goggles. I got this. There's some. There's, there's going to be some really good, good equipped, well equipped ter terrorists soon. Um, newest technology: night vision scopes, thermal scopes, and thermal mono goggles. Like, can't they fucking? Like, you're telling me they brought 100,000, no, uh, 10,000 2.75 inch air to ground rockets. So you're telling me they brought all this stuff in? <laughs> Into a war zone without a plan how to get it back out? That's a Hydra 7 rocket. Wow. Yeah, that's. That, uh, that can make a big hole uh, in your bunker. Millions of rounds of ammunition, including but not limited to 20 million rounds of 7.6 to 9 million rounds of 50 caliber. Large stockpile of plate carriers and body armor. Use military HIIDE for handheld interagency identity detection equipment biometrics. 208 aircraft. 50 MD3. 530G scout attack choppers. Is that the A-team one? The, one the, the small one they always use in the A- Yeah, that's the, that's the one. That's the A-team chopper. Yeah, nice. They got 50 of those. They got 45 Blackhawks. I mean, come on. Like, Toyota pickups. The undestroyable Toyota. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, we, we, like for decades to come, this shit will turn up like in war zones and fucking terrorist attacks. Ah, it's unbelievable. I mean, they're not only going to use that against China. I think. You fucked. We're fucked, boys. We're fucked, boys. Anyway, that's it for that topic. Um, as I said, a little bit of a shorter thing, but you know, just some food for thought. Have a look at all the links. Have a think about this, and you know, if I've, if I'm just an idiot, and I've, I've, if there's something that's like a really logical fallacy, that like a really big one that I've been like overlooking, please let me know. I I I will talk about it on the show. Believe me, I will be ashamed, but uh, I I owe that to you. Um, anyway, let's let's look at some producer feedback here. Uh, coming up next. First off, we have Rudane, uh, who's also known as Rudane the Insane, I think, um, says, I really enjoy the perspective from outside the US. The COVID vaccine coverage doesn't really benefit me, but the privacy angle is wel welcome. My favorite episode is episode 65, Insane Cloud Stupidity. I listen to it at least every week, sometimes daily. I think it's the snarky humor of it. Thank uh, I think it's the snarky humor of it. Daily? Like, what the fuck, man? And I'm gonna need more snarky humor episodes. Actually, Jonathan uh, was describing the podcast, I think, 
on a stream the other day or on, on stream i don't know he was describing the private citizen and said it's basically stand-up comedy except like it's real world comedy because you can't believe how stupid everybody is um yeah it's probably it i mean i i i you know that that episode uh this was like the uh ubiquity router bullshit where they put put out like the the, the worst like ever pr uh, and they just completely fucked it up and i just ranted about it the whole episode like all through how long is this um all two hours of it um you know i stuff like that doesn't happen that often but you know if, if it does I, you know you can you can trust me on being snarky i will try to give you another episode like that so you can at least uh like rotate them a little bit uh thanks for introducing me to bernays and uh, cheeky breaky cheeky breaky palchik wicking no worries um after that my next favorites are the more historical ones like episode 14 the intelligence school of the century yeah, that that's a that's a that, that's just a banger that one uh <laughs> the story's just so good uh, it's really good to have some things like this covered clearly and comprehensively thank you thank you for the nice words i you know i i, I give my best uh, some more current events like episode 26 when a bank starts gaslighting people in episode 43 the cyber bunker case this is also episodes um he likes i think keep up the good work well i'm giving my best um thanks for this I, I, this is extremely helpful um, I, this is feedback i don't have that often um people just saying what episodes they really liked um, because, you know, I talk about a lot of different topics on the show and I try to gauge what people want. And this is kind of cool. Um, so, you know, if you want to do that, I mean, I don't even have, you know, if you don't want me to read out on the show, it's all good. Just like the, I mean, it's all anecdotal, but, you know, I mean, I feel like, I feel like the people who don't like the show are not listening, get right? Because they can just turn it off and go away. And the people that are listening and are not saying anything are prob probably like it, you know, at least most of the time. Um, so, yeah, sometimes, obviously, I would lose people, I guess, uh, who, who don't like it and then don't tell me why. That is a shame. Uh, I'd rather they send me, like, an angry email at the end and go, like, I'm, I'm unsubscribing and this is why you're a conspiracy theorist and uh, you say wrong things about it. whatever, right? You know, that, I mean, I'm being snarky now, but that would actually help. Um, kind of like an exit survey um, but you know um, if you write in that has a lot of weight like you know because not many not that many people are doing it currently and tell me what they like so you know I'm gonna I'm gonna consider this stuff so uh, thanks for that um, Rudain I uh, enjoyed it very much and then I had questions from Yanis Yanis uh, uh, says the following I just finished reading this post links in the show it's private citizen.press uh, great read by the way and it made me curious um, I know you use ad blockers, but is it because you want to block ads or because you want to block trackers? I'm going to take these paragraph by paragraph and answer them on, you know, in line, basically. Um, I know you use, ad, you use ad blockers, but is it because you want to block ads or because you want to block trackers? Personally, I wouldn't mind if you static ads that didn't track me and aren't intrusive. They would still need a hit counter and possibly the date, which are reasonable in my view. What is your perspective? Um, I actually don't use an ad, ad blocker most of the time, right? Sometimes I, I think um, people, Janis yeah, might be thinking this because maybe he watched me stream the show or some 
previous stuff I did, you know, when I used generally ad blockers there, so like the ads don't distract when I'm like on stream or whatever. Um, but generally, personally, I don't use ad blockers. Um, always, like sometimes, I, like I don't have one currently installed, for example, but I have like VMs that have ad blockers and I have um, other machines that I have ad blockers on. But generally, my day to day use, I don't. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so if I was using, so to his first question, if I was gonna block trackers and I have browsers where I have that installed, you know, I'd use a script blocker, I use a tracker. Like I don't, I don't believe in using ad blockers to stop tracking because you use ad blockers to block ads. Like some of the ad blockers actually like still serve you ads, like ad block plus and stuff like that. And there's still tracking going on. So if you want to block tracking, it might be worth doing an episode on this. I realize as I'm talking about this. Um, then use use a script blocker, right? Um, use a like a security product. An ad blocker it, itself, I wouldn't consider a security product. That's like a convenient. I mean, they sell it with security, but like that's just propaganda. It's like a convenience product, right? People use it because they don't want to see ads. Um, I do like in. Generally, ads don't bother me that much, um, like from a from user experience point of view, because I'm I'm pretty good at just tuning them out. But lately, there have been like very very intrusive video ads. But usually, I don't have to do an ad blocker. Um, usually, I can block autoplay or um, Firefox has this really useful uh, reader view, which you know gets rid of all the fucking ads and just gives me the text, which is what I want. Because I mean, let's face it, I'm probably there to research something. Right, I don't want to buy anything. I'm I'm basically at work, um, so I like ads really don't. They, they, if they get in the way, and I need to get fucking work done and need to read stuff fast, then it starts annoying me. Then I'll do something about it. Um, um, I'm I'm gonna answer more of this uh, when I answer the second paragraph because Janis goes on. Uh, also, uh, what is the opinion of other journalists you've worked with, especially outside? of tech and ga- slash games journalism, do they look down on ad block users for hurting the industry and refuse to use them out of principle? I've come across that opinion online, but more by leading publishers and people who work in marketing rather than writing, uh, rather than writing necessarily. Um, so this is my personal opinion, obviously colored by my personal experience. I mean, just don't really have to say that disclaimer, uh, but, disclaimer but here it is. Um, I am the only journalist I ever I've ever met in person, and also as far as I can remember, ever chatted with online um, that refused to use ad blockers out of principle. Like I'm not like that anymore. I sometimes use ad blockers now. When I was working at a publishing company, and you know that my salary directly came from money made by ads. I, out of principle, when I started working there, I like even when I got my first job as a professional journalist, I was like. I can't use ad blockers. Um, and especially in the company later, um, I would actually make a point of not using ad blockers. And then um, when we had really intrusive ads on the site, I would call the, the marketing people and go, like, are you looking at your fucking website uh, without ad blockers? Because this is atrocious and I can't fucking read my own story. And most of the time they were surprised. Now you have to... Remember, I was working at the time at Heise, uh, which is like Germany's premier tech. Like, they're all geeks. Like, they're all the people working there, like, especially all the editors are geeks. Um, 
So they were almost universally using ad blockers. Um, I was actually often talk I, at several instances where I was like over lunch or something talking about somebody with some some ad we had on the site. Like at one point, I think we had a malicious ad and we actually wrote about it and had security, whatever. I was talking to people and they were like, I've never seen it. Like I basically, t- it turned out that they never looked at the site without an ad blocker. And I was like, how can you fucking, like, this is where our money comes from. And like, we need to know what our site, like, if anything, you need to have one device that you look on, like, you need to at least like have one browser, whatever. You need to look at the site regularly to see how normal users see it. I mean, for me, that was just normal. Everything else is just incredible hypocrisy. And so the only people within Heiser, but also in other publishing companies, you know, I've, I've, I've had, especially since then, I've had much better connections to other publishing companies and people working there and whatever. Um, the only people concerned with this are publishers and the marketing people, as as Janis uh, says or suspects correctly. Um, so all the, Heiser had this for a while. I don't know if they have it anymore, but if you, you visited the site with an ad blocker, this was like on, this was like the hottest shit like three years ago or whatever. Um, you could get get a warning, right? You're using ad block or whatever. Um, I don't think I'm spilling any like trade secrets that I'm not allowed to talk. Well, I'm, I'm out of the company. I can talk about whatever I want, but I still work for the guys and I like him at Heiser, but I think they've, they've written about this extensively themselves. I think they actually, uh, when they deployed, deployed that ad blocker warning, I think the, uh, one of the, I don't know who was the CEO, but one of the head publishers actually wrote about this. Um, in like a letter to the readers and Heise has the highest ad blocker usage uh, at least in the German publishing industry like by a huge margin because techies read Heise and techies use ad blockers so to do your question um, in other like outside of tech games it's not a topic at all Um, like when I talk to journalists from like let's call them the mainstream media it's talk like I don't know on the level of like Spiegel, uh, Zeit, stuff like that, you know, The Guardian. Uh, most of these people don't know what ad blockers are. They don't even know they exist. Um, there are certainly more techie people within the, that group, but I think you know, if you talk to people in local, like local newspaper media, they have no fucking clue. They're like, they're, you blow their mind if you show them an ad blocker. Um, so, yeah, I think it's uh, most most journalists don't know, don't care, uh, and the others they don't like. I, I'm literally the only person I ever met who is a professional journalist who didn't use adblocks out of principle, and I've stopped doing that. Right? I when I when I uh, became freelancer, I said, you know, one of the reasons I'm doing this is because I don't want to tie myself to a company and their income methods. That's you know, I have a lot less income now, but I'm more free. Um, you know, I just uh, uh, transferred some money, like about $500 from my Patreon account um, to my personal account, right? I'll have to pay like 40% taxes or whatever, 45, whatever it is on that. Uh, and then also another, like, pro- that that's just the income tax. I'll probably have to, whatever, add software for this. But, you know, it's not as much money as it sounds. But, you know, that's a little bit of like, it's a, it's a small part of my income now. And I have other income methods. Like I don't only do journalism now. Like I do, I did some ghostwriting in the past. I did some, uh, you know, I, I give, 
I do training. You know, I do, um, especially now with, like, I, I did actually host quite a few events, like be on stage and stuff. Um, since that's all gone due to the pandemic, now it's mostly um, like hosting webinars and stuff like that. Um, you know, I do I do that kind of stuff. Um, so that was very important to me, like to that diversify my income because I don't like that wasn't the main reason to leave, but it was a nice side effect because even though I'm, I'm making less money, I don't want to tie myself to this um, to this business model alone. When I said, you know, now um heiser is just a customer for me i i don't feel uh like responsible for the way they make money if they want to make money by ads so be it but i don't have to like watch what the site looks like if you're not running an ad blocker right i don't have to tie myself to that my money like yes indirectly of course so you know i write for heiser they pay me that money comes from you when you go there and read and get served an ad Mostly they know also have subscription stuff online and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, but I'm so far removed. Like that's, I don't, like the reason I removed myself so far from that is that I don't want to be partisan there anymore. I don't, I don't care. You know, I have a, I have my own model. Um, if you go to private citizen press, there's no fucking trackers. There's no ads, there's nothing. And I'll, I'll talk about that at, uh, at the end of the show here a little bit. You know, it's the value for value model. That's how we do it. Well, that's how I do it. Me and the guys from No Agenda and a few other intrepid podcasters. Anyway, speaking of this topic, Yanis uh, goes on. Uh, right now, targeted ads are simply more profitable. That's true. Though contextual ads often perform better, at least in search engines. Do you see any path where advertiser funding can keep supporting journalism without the tracking? Would user behavior around ad blockers change? I say this because I believe many people install ad blockers because online ads are annoying, not because of moral concerns around tracking. Complete. I think not, probably 98, 95 to 98% of all ad blockers, I mean, this is just me guessing, but I would say, you know, you use an ad blocker because the ads are too annoying. They're too fucking annoying. And if they weren't that annoying, we could actually all live with them and they would actually make more money. But, you know, it's an arms race and people are never objective in these kind of things. So um, do I see a path where advertiser funding keeps supporting journalism? I think that will be a thing. I mean, I mean, there won't be... Like there won't be outlaw ads, won't be outlawed, or they will go go away, right? It'll be always like you know, historically newspapers have been supported by ads and you know by classifieds and like by other things. So um, by subscriptions, you know. Um, but without the tracking, I don't I don't think so because look, like there's not going to be a law. That's outlawed. I mean, the, the, the EU is so mad, you know, talking about previous episode, the EU is so mad they might try that, but it's never going to work, right? Because what we have here is supply and demand. And there's demand by advertisers for the tracking, right? It's not, if you're an adver- like, I would never want to be work in the advertising agency, uh, um, agency or in the advertising uh, market, right? advertising space business um i know a lot of journalists who who went over there and then some came back which i think is fucking like i would never trust a journalist once they worked for advertising people you know he's speaking about bernays got the book right here um but uh yeah i don't i don't i don't want to work in in marketing and advertising but i can understand them 
right? As you know, if you put yourself in those people's shoes, I mean, they're not evil people. Um, they're just on the other team, right? I don't. I have I have friends who work in advertising companies quite a lot, actually. Um, you know, I I just they're just like it's like football, right? They're on the other team. I don't want to kill them, but I I don't want to give them give them anything for free either. Um, you know, a free goal or whatever. Uh, they there's a reason they want tracking because I mean, put yourself in those people's shoes. They pay money to some service or whatever. Um, on the vague hope that it'll help their product. And it kind of does. You kind of can kind of kind of tell, but you're actually spending money, spending thousands of euros, dollars, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like you've got, you've got people above you that want to know. So, so you paid $50,000 on this compa- campaign. Like what did it get us? Right. That's what they want. Um, I don't actually think the advertising companies themselves, and I'm talking about like advertising companies, not Google, like normal small advertising companies, whatever, um, agencies and whatever, they're not evil, right? They don't collect all this information to like fucking screw you over. But Google does. And the problem is, or Facebook, whatever, and they're huge in the advertising space and getting bigger and bigger. Um, the problem is that this data, this tracking data, once it's, co- this is another episode I should do. Damn it. F- no time, too many topics. Um, I wish I, 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 I wish I made enough money of this podcast to do to do this more. Like I could do it like twice a week, like no agenda or even I don't know. Anyway. Um don't know if that ever will happen. But um you know, they they just want to know how they're fi- what they're paying their money for. And okay, that's sorry, I was like to got distracted myself. Yeah, that's understandable. But like this data, once it's collected, it's there. It's fucking in some data center and it gets sold. Like where where I actually fault them is when they when they say okay we can actually double dip here and we can now use this data for something else or sell it to somebody, that's when the moral issues come in, right? Um, so I don't know. I strongly believe that there is, which is why I'm doing this, you know, and why I'm running a Substack and. Uh, put a lot of stuff for free on my own blog um i believe there is a future where journalism can be supported by its readers viewers whatever um i think with with the internet and with digital you know money being producing being digital whatever um we have the means um we have all the tools and you can see working outside journalism, right? You see people, Twitch streamers. It's a good example. Um, these are people that get it, they're getting supported directly by their audience and they're doing shit that, that will never be on TV. But there's a market for it, right? There's people who want to see some guy play Escape from Tarkov eight hours a day, right? And that guy is some weird Canadian nerd who lives on, uh, you know, Prince Edward Island, in the middle of fucking nowhere and he plays Escape from Tarkov all day and that he makes his living. He plays Escape from Tarkov from 8 till 5 every day. Monday till Friday. That's his job. Guy's called Deadly Slope, by the way. Great, great streamer. Um, nice guy. But, you know, there's even like, you know, Doc Disrespect. There's people who make legitimately a lot of money doing this kind of stuff. Um, 
there's a demand for this. And I think sooner or later, and you know, that that's just like, you know, fringe entertainment. But I think think sooner or later this is gonna, you know, spread over to journalism. It actually does already. This is why like um the, the whole censorship and the the culture wars and, and, and the way YouTube reacts makes me so sick to the stomach because what you can actually see developing is actual journalism on YouTube right now where there are people who pay and, you know, they, they uh, uh, I mean, it's that's largely ad-supported still, but YouTube is also trying to get like to a subscription model and stuff like that. People who want specific people they trust or they like to 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 discover and research certain topics right there's there's i mean a lot of this isn't really journalism but it crosses over into journalism right so i watch for example i watch a youtube i watch held der steine this german lego youtuber right he does a lot of i mean it's about bricks but it's fucking a lot of business and stuff and like his news about what's going on in that particular industry is he is he is better than anything else you can read on the internet, right? Or like I watch a guy called a uh, channel called Forgotten Weapons. The guy does things about rifles and pistols and whatever. It is probably the best source for this kind of information on the internet, aside from like, I don't know, Jane's or whatever, but it's a lot better and a lot more entertainment, entertaining. Like it's actual knowledge, right? There's channels about cars, about motorcycles, and there is starting to be journalism. And if it, that does, doesn't get squashed, I can see a future. I mean, right now also ad supported, but I can see a future where you know it's where it's more like Twitch, where people. I mean, Twitch is also ad supported, but like, I'm not saying ads aren't going to go away. I think it's going to be a combination of things. But I believe in we have the technology, and we have the ability to people for people to seek out uh, what they want to know. Um, you know, and 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 support the creators. I mean, if if I that they they want to support and that they think do good work. If I if I wasn't believing that, I wouldn't be doing the show. You know, with the value for value model. Um, but it's also being threatened, right? That there is an entrenched industry. The advertising industry is huge, and we're talking Google, and we're talking Facebook. Right and and Amazon is getting into that game and Apple will be in that game when they figure it out in twenty years I don't know uh, right there is an entrenched industry who is I'm not saying it's a conspiracy I don't think it's a concerted effort but it's some you know this shit is being squashed on all sides there there is a reason there are gatekeepers and you know there's a reason um people like the New York Times, even though they do podcasts, but they write very, very disparagingly about, you know, independent podcasts, for example, and, you know, and call them conspiracy theorists and all of that. And, you know, even people who don't deserve it. Like the only stuff they write about is basically entertain their own podcast and fucking entertainment, which like, yeah, doesn't, doesn't threaten us. But like, I feel there, it's not a concerted effort, but I think they feel subconsciously threatened because they know they don't have the printing press monopoly anymore. And the TV people know that they don't have, it's not a time where we have seven channels and you have to have a huge tower to broadcast. Anybody can do it. You get a webcam, you get a 
$30 micro microphone, right? You get a bit of software and you can fucking stream on Twitch. You can go, here's my view. This is how, this is why this whole Afghanistan thing was a scam. Anyway, uh, I'm waffling a lot, I think, but it's like, um, I have hope. Um, I currently don't see a way from where we are to maybe a better future, but I believe it's there because I, I've gone into journalism because I wanted to make it better. You know, I wanted to be better than other people, but I've also gone into journalism because I believe in journalism. I believe people want news. They want good news. They want unbiased or, you know, at least news from several viewpoints um, that helps them in their lives. And they need that. We are social animals, right? We want that. We need that. That will not go away. And you might, maybe it will take, maybe we'll all be on TikTok and I won't understand it, right? Because I'm too old, could be. Um, but I think there will be a way, there will be a way. The problem is the more I look at the publishing industry and one of the reasons I quit my job, um, you know, colleagues always keep basically saying that it was because I was like, because it was of the commute, but like, total idiotic bullshit i mean it was more like a concrete dissatisfaction with like um like we i felt i wasn't doing enough actual journalism and you know too much like actually how can we funnel people into clicking on ads basically um and so i had a disillusionment with that but i also have a disillusionment i think we're not going to make any strides. I'm, I'm generally not a very um, radical person. This, this might sound a little bit of radical, but like looking at things and the situation and looking at things I've read from like studying history and stuff, um, I think we, we're not going to make any significant strides until certain things burn. I think these publishing companies... Uh, that that are beholden to like the subscription model and to advertising and stuff like that like large scale subscription model right um like or print or whatever they need to fucking burn they're not agile enough um and they're actually doing their best to block innovation from happening right they are you know in germany the the, the big publishers the biggest publishers like Springer who publishes built they actively like they have lobbyists and they you know they, they put all this legislation on the books that like prevents because Google is evil Google is evil but not I think but not like the way they think um, so they can't copy like their text and put it on Google News because then they don't need to go to their website or whatever the fuck they were thinking you know the, I've talked about on the show the fucking copyright and laws and the upload filter and upload filters and stuff like that I feel like that is all like symptoms of of them trying to fucking block the future from happening and, and I think these guys have to die and I think for them to die I think their readers have to die their audience has to die which will take few more decades I, I don't know something at some point something will happen i think uh but anyway i don't you know generally don't use ad blockers only when ads like really really piss me off um but i also don't like maybe i should do an episode on that as well i don't like i do a privacy podcast right and i understand people don't want to be tracked i personally uh am not 
like I feel like I'm not the use case I'm making this show about, right? Because I'm special. Well, I mean, either in the oh, I'm special, a little bit dumb, or in the you know I'm I'm, I'm awesome. No, sense. No, what I mean by that is like I'm not a normal person, right? I'm a news journalist. I you know I I, I visit a lot of websites. You should go to where like I'm 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 probably tracked all over the internet, but it's like kind of. It's like part of my job. I also live a very visible life. I stream, you know, I tell you about my life and podcasts. Um, you know, I protect my family and my privacy when I have to, but like I I tell people stuff about my personal life that, you know, normal people would never tell the public. Like, right? Um, so I'm not like, like if I was worried about trackers and what they would know, what they know about me, right? How how can I be that and then do Twitch stream, streams, right? Um, I'm like where potentially millions of people could watch me. Like I don't know, leave my camera on afterwards and stream still running, and then I I, I undress or whatever, <laughs> like start fapping like you know the, the guys that was like all these streamers who like thought the camera were off and then like off stream and then they start fapping and it's like they're actually streaming it like or the guys who are doing it like in public meetings or whatever uh you know all of that could happen to me and uh yeah i don't i don't know i feel like that's been uh my blessing and my curse like when I was doing Linux Outlaws and was doing this show is going to turn long because I'm just waffling. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> um, I had the same kind of thing. I was like doing a show for like I was a Linux enthusiast and all that, but like for some in some respects I was doing a show for people that weren't like exactly like me. I don't know. It's like. I feel like I was back then I was never as fanatic about the stuff as other people were that were listening to the show maybe um, so yeah I, I think I'm not necessarily a good example and a good role model right I'm, I'm just doing the show and if I was going to do an episode about tracking and how to avoid trackers um, I was trying I, I will we'll do some research of course and do stuff and would try try to put myself into the shoes of somebody uh, who has just has another use case and for some reason don't want, don't want to be like doesn't even have to be a reason right maybe they just don't want to be tracked except that's not how I use the internet and how I um, see the world right I can kind of divorce myself like for example right when we talk about uh, vaccination passports I talk about whether that's a bad idea and I, I talk about why nobody should be forced to, 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 to get vaccinated and all of that stuff. I am vaccinated. I've got the fucking passport because I love flying and I love the world. I want to go to Fiji again. I want to go to Australia again. I, these days I really want to visit Thailand. right? I want to go to the US. I want to go to Texas. Um, I feel almost sickened by the fact that I haven't like left like actually gone on a plane and flown somewhere in like two years right i that i used to do that once every year going like at least like the uk or whatever i'd go somewhere. like my 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 wife and we used to fly 
from Hamburg to London to go to the the, the, the theater, right? And watch a play, <laughs> the Shakespeare Company, watch a play and then just uh, go, you know, have a nice meal and stay in a hotel and then fly back. Um, so, right, while I, you know, got the vaccine and got the passport, I'm, I can still be against it in principle, right? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to explain why I think this is not hypocrisy because I fucking hate hypocrisy, right? It's not hypocrisy. It's just me um, recognizing that sometimes I may I do this, like there, there's like, aside from my personal life choices, this might still be like a valid thing to talk about. And often I know that I do this show for people that think different than me and do things. That's like when, when I do Twitch stream, people are like, what the fuck, you use Google? How can you do a privacy show and use Google? And then I have to explain myself and I have to explain that I'm not Joe user. I'm a fucking journalist. And if I can't find new, like if I can't find sources, reliable information, then I'm fucked. And if Google is just the best search engine, I need to use Google. You know, if I like it or not, I need to use fucking Google. There's no way around it. Um, yeah. So anyway. I hope that I hope that answered your question, Yanis. I think I talked about that one for about half an hour. Um, thanks for the feedback. This was very helpful. Um, and everybody, please, um, if you got some comments on this, some other stuffs, stuffs, stuffs I said, uh, go to Private Citizen Press uh, contact link up the top, and you know, let me know. Uh, and with that, we were talking about the uh, value for value uh, model earlier, so let's 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 tell you about that. As I said, I quit my job because I didn't want to have all my income come from people being tracked and, you know, shown advertising instead of advertising instead of advertisements and that I can't talk today, Jesus, that are fucking annoying, right? And I I don't want the other half of my income or whatever come from a, like a print magazine where you're fucking killing the trees and like, like I don't read print magazines. Right, and then, then there's some like six-year-old subscribers. I mean, no offense to them; they want to. It's okay, but like, I, it was not, not my thing. I'm, you know, I, I wanted to diversify a little bit. So now I get money from writing for these people, and uh, I also get money from you, uh, listening to this. Uh, thanks to No Agenda once again, not only because of the topic of this episode, but also because uh, John and Adam came up with uh, or popularized what they call the value for value model, which is you know you get this for free really the only way to put out a podcast i mean anything else is just ludicrous <laughs> um and uh yeah then you can you can take and leave it and uh if you think like well this is really good and i've been listening to this for a long time now and i get enjoyment and this is one episode so good i listen to it every other week i mean no wonder he's routine the insane right <laughs> um yeah, then then you know you can you can do your part for keeping this on the air, you know, for helping me once in a while uh, with some money that that arrives in my bank account, which is important because I need to buy food sometimes, um, and uh, sometimes I need to buy uh, plate carriers. 
to go running. Don't question my life choices. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you want to do that, uh, you can. Um, you can either become a uh, patron on Patreon, uh, which is like a subscription service, which helps me massively. If you don't like Patreon, which some people don't, you know, it's also some kind of, I don't know, tracking. I mean, you can probably sign up with some. Well, you have to pay the money somehow, right? Throw so an email address. Well, you can use PayPal. Uh, producers at fab.industries, which is, uh, is the email address you can pay for money to. This is mostly because if you want to do one-off stuff. If you're really, really fond of your privacy and this all doesn't work and you do want to send me a check in the mail, which so far nobody has done, um, we can sort that out. Contact form, fa- uh, private citizen or press. Right? That gets you to Fab Industries, which is my blog. And, you know, there's some, um, there's a whistleblower contact form. You can do it completely anon- anonymously. Um, and I could tell you how, where to deposit the check or where to send the check to if you really want to. Um, it works. I mean, I have a post box, PO box. Um, you can't really send like parcels to it, but like check or cash would probably work. Well, I'm sure it would work. Um, anyway. Yeah, that's the value for value model. And uh, because I appreciate the people who supported this episode, I would like to thank them. Um, so thank you, Georges, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Jonathan M. Heavy, Michael Mullen Jensen, Dave, 1I11G, Michael Small, Jackie Play, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Philipp Klustermann, Vlad, IKN, Bennett Piata, Kai Sears, Fadi Mansour, Tobias, Joe Poser, Dirk Didi, Mode 7, Rodani Insane, Sandman616, David Potter, Mika, Martin, Rizal, Avis, Mr. Amish, Dave Amrish, Drive Zero, Ricky M, Barry Williams, Jonathan, Cam, Philip, Captain Eckhart, RJ Tracy, Rick Bragg, D, Robert Forster, Superuser, Break of Builds, and Astral C. Thanks to all of you. And you know, Spongebob Twitch a lot. I have a Twitch channel. You can subscribe for free if you have Amazon Prime. Prime Gaming, whatever it's called now. So uh, thanks to my Twitch subscribers, Mike the Dane, Flash Gordo, Jonathan MH underscore com, Sandman616, Zenith252, Centurio Purchase, Mode 7 is unavailable, El Terrestris Jim, Bacon the Pork, Galtaran, Redeemer F, Januar Vera, Indie GameX, and Halifa, who uh, that is Hotel Alpha, Lima, Echo, Foxtrot Alpha, Hotel Alpha, Lima, Echo, Foxtrot Alpha, on Twitch, Halifa. She's amazing. Uh, she is one of my favorite streamers. And I don't say this lightly. Um, she's a lot of fun to watch play games. Mostly because she panics a lot. And that is hilarious. Um, also, she rides around on a horse in The Witcher. Musing uh, for about half an hour how this town she's riding towards looks really like Novigrad until she realized that she... Ro- turn herself around and just riding into Novigrad, which is a great clip. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, thanks to all of you. Also, thanks to Bindmark at bindmark.co.uk who provide the hosting for free for these audio files uh, that you're listening to that are in your ear right now. And I thank Bindmark very much. They're UK cloud hosting company. They are excellent. Excellent service. Um, Yep, the show's theme song is Acoustic Roots by Rural Kabazali. And uh, I'm, I'm the fuck out of here. Um, I'm going to play you out with a song by uh, Forever Sunset 
called City Lights, City Dreams, which is once again very Miami Vice. I'm on a huge Miami Vice binge right now, so this could be right from uh, Jan Hammer's soundtrack, which is on Spotify, by the way. Uh, it's really good. Miami Vice, like special edition or whatever it's called. It's amazing. I've been listening to that a lot. Um, especially on warm summer. You just want a black Ferrari and you drive through the city. It's amazing. Anyway, uh, I'll be back in October. If everything goes according to plan, please don't worry about me. I'll just be busy. And uh, if I'm lucky, there'll be some time for lying on a beach or two. Um, so, um, yeah, have a good one. And remember, always aim to misbehave. See you soon. <laughs>